The first two weeks of our Win the Day series, we looked at how to bury your dead yesterdays. In other words, how do you let go of the past? Today and then next week, I want to talk to you about how do you maximize each and every day? This is the day that the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. How do we maximize this particular day? And what I want to talk with you about today is how do you eat the frog? You're going, what in the world does that mean? Eat the frog. Well, that saying actually comes from Mark Twain, who said, if you're forced to eat a live frog in a day, it's probably best that you do it first thing in the morning. And he said, and if you have to eat two live frogs in a day, it's probably best that you eat the biggest one first. What Mark Twain was getting at is when you have difficult things in life to do, when you have hard tasks to do, it's best that you go ahead and get it out of the way. Because whether it's in the day or for your life, that way you just know that it's out of the way. It's done. I don't have to worry about that any longer. And so I want to talk to you about why you need to eat the frog. And I want to ask you, what is your frog? What is that thing that is in your life that like this dream that you've had for many, many years, but yet you keep putting it off? Or maybe a tough decision that you need to make, but you keep procrastinating on it. What's a major goal that you set for your life that you just haven't yet taken a next step yet? Whatever it is, that is your frog. Now, let me tell you why it's so important that you take a next step. When I was just a kid, my grandparents and I, on my, my mom's side, every single summer we would travel to Mon Cove Lake in the middle of nowhere, West Virginia. And it was there that my grandfather and I, we would go fishing in the morning and the evening. And during the daytime then, I would swim in the lake and I'd ride my bike. The reason, though, that they chose Moncove Lake was because it was actually right near my grandfather's aunt. All right? So this is my grandfather's aunt. So that would make her my what? Great, great aunt. Now, what I remember of Aunt Anime, right away, you know, that's an old person, right? Aunt Anime in the middle of West Virginia. <laughs> what you know right away about that is it was probably really boring at her house. And you'd be right. It was. It was like going to a museum of antiques, basically. I couldn't touch anything. And you can imagine what that's like for a little boy, six, eight, uh, six years old, eight years old, 10 years old, 12 years old. The only thing that saved me in Aunt Anime's was her dominoes. She had a ton of dominoes. And so I would sit there and I would take all the dominoes and I put them in these very elaborate patterns only to then topple one of them. And of course, this whole chain of events would happen and all the dominoes would go toppling over. And what we need to realize about life is that life is the same way. If we can just topple that first domino, get that domino effect going, it'll make a major, major difference in our lives. Now, how many of you ever heard of the domino effect before? Yeah, you better. Nate actually preached the whole series on it at one point. All right. Yeah, so the, the domino effect, is, it's so, so important that we understand that, that power of just pushing over that first domino. Here's what you may not realize, though. In the 1970s, there was a physicist by the name of Lauren Whitehead. And what he discovered is that for every domino that topples over, it actually falls with enough force to topple another domino that's one and a half times its size. So in other words, if you start with a two-inch domino, it can topple a three-inch domino. A three-inch domino then can topple a four-and-a-half-inch domino. Now, if you continue just to exponentially do that math there, what you discover is that by the 18th domino, you could actually topple a domino that is the size of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. 
Now, obviously, that would go over pretty easy, right? Because it's already leaning. No, I'm not kidding. Remember, I'm not talking about any actual buildings falling down. I'm talking about buildings that are actually that tall. So the 18th, the leaning tower of Pisa. By the 21st domino, you could go to a domino as big as the Washington Monument. The 23rd domino, one as tall as the Eiffel Tower. And by the 27th domino, you could actually topple over the world's tallest building, which is 160 stories tall. The point being this, little things can lead to much greater things. And so that's why we need to learn how to do habits and do habits every single day in a very consistent manner. Now, my friend Mark Batterson, he wrote a book called Win the Day. That's what we're basing this whole series off of. And he talks about this power of doing this, the power of habits. And he says this, look at your outline if you're taking notes. Almost anyone can accomplish almost anything if they work at it long enough, hard enough, and smart enough. And so again, the key is you got to do the little habits every single day in a consistent way. In other words, if you'll do the little small things like they're big things, God will then do the big things like they're small things. I think I said that to you last week. If you'll do the small things like they're big things, then God will do the big things in your life like they're small things. Let me give you an example from Scripture. Right after Jesus had been resurrected from the, the dead, he spent 40 days on the earth just proving to others that he, he really was alive. 500 people see Jesus resurrected. And then he tells his disciples, he says, look, it's going to be better for you if I go back to heaven and send my spirit then to come and live inside of you. And so he gives them this instruction. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem yet. Wait here for the Father to give you the what? To give you the, the Holy Spirit, right? To give you the Holy Spirit, just as I told you he has promised to do. Now, notice that Jesus doesn't tell them how long to wait. He just says to do what? Just wait. Just wait. And my promise to you is going to come true. And so they made it a habit then of every single day, they would gather together as a group. And what they would do is they would pray. And what were they praying? God, just as you promised, send your spirit to fall upon us. And so they prayed that the first day and nothing happened. They prayed a second day. Nothing happens, but they made it a habit. Every single day, we're going to do the little small thing that we can. We're going to gather together to pray. And so they keep praying. All of a sudden, day six has gone by. Day eight has gone by. Day nine has gone by. The Spirit still hasn't come, but they've made it a habit of gathering together every single day, praying that the Spirit would fall. And finally, on day 10, the Spirit of God comes. And the power of God comes upon them. They start speaking in other tongues. The church is born that day and 3,000 people get saved. If you'll do the little small thing, like it's a big thing, God will do big things in your life like they're small things, just like he did for the apostles there on the day of Pentecost. And so this is why habits are so important. Because many of you, you want God to do a miracle in your marriage. You want God to do a miracle with your finances, with your health. You're going, God, I need a miracle. Let me ask you, are you doing your part? Are you doing the little small things that you can do to help in your finances? Are you doing the little small things you can do to help with your health? Are you doing the little small things in your marriage that you could do? 
If you'll do the little small things, God will show up and do the miracle. He'll change the situation for you. But you've got to do your part if you want him to do his part. And so habitually, day after day after day after day, just do the little small things that you can do. And trust God then that he'll do the things that you can't do. Now, Duke University did a study and they discovered about 45% of our daily life is just habitual things that we do. It's just a routine that we're in, that our behaviors are often just automatic. Now, that's okay unless, of course, the behaviors you're doing are bad, right? That you got some bad habits. And so that's why it's so important that we understand this whole thing of how do habits form? Why do habits form? How do you start good habits? How do you break bad habits? Now, last year, many of you were with us. I did a whole series called Uphill Habits, and it was all about how do habits start? How do we break bad habits? How do we get good habits in our life? I think it was a six-week series. So if you're interested in what I'm talking about today, you're like, man, I'd like to know more about that. You can go to our website, exponential.church, and you'll be able to get in the archives there, and you can hear all about habit formation. But what I want to do today is just sort of do a little bit of a recap of that particular message, just remind you of some of the things and why habits are so important in our lives. So here's where we'll start. What habit would you like to have in your life? Just, you don't have to shout it out. You don't have to type it in the chat there. Just think, what habit would I like to have? What's a a new habit I've been wanting to have, I just haven't been able to do it? It could be something relational. It could be something physical, mental, emotional. It could be something spiritual. What is it? Once you have that, what I want you to do then is think, okay, If I actually get this down and it became a habit, what would my life look like six months from now, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, if I actually followed through with this? And I think what you'll discover is, oh man, my life would be different. My life would change. And it wouldn't just be my life, but the life of my kids, the life of my grandkids, the life of the people around me. It'd be so different if I could just get this one little small habit started. So what I want to do today is give you some tips, because what you just described there, that's your frog. That's what you need to work on right now. Get it out of the way. Start working towards that goal. Take that next step. So I'm going to give you some tips of how to do that. So if you're taking notes, number one on your outline is this. I must make it measurable. You've got to make it measurable. You know, saying things like, well, I want to lose weight, or I want a better marriage, or I want to be more like Jesus, or I want to get out of debt. Those are all great things, but those are hopes, not habits. You understand what I'm saying there? When you say, I want to lose weight, that's just a hope. So let me ask you a question. How much weight do you want to lose? When do you want to lose it by? How much debt do you have? When do you want to get out of debt? When you say you want to become more like Jesus, what does that mean? From Scripture, what does that mean? How do you want to become more like Jesus? And what does Scripture say that you would need to do? What would have to be a habit in your life every single day in order to become like Jesus in that way? And so you got to make it measurable. Thankfully for us, there's an app for that. Everything has an app now. You can count everything on your phone. You want to lose weight? You want to get healthy? There's an app for that. It'll count your calories. It'll count your steps, how much exercise you're doing, what your sleep patterns are. It's it's all right there. 
You want to get out of debt? There's an app for that. It gets you on a budget. You want to become more like Jesus? There's an app for that. It's version. I'll talk about version in a little bit and how it can help to measure your spirituality. So you got to make it measurable. Number two, I must make it meaningful. Got to make it meaningful. I read a great book many years ago called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And he basically said this, that if you discover your why, you'll discover the how. If you discover your why, you'll discover the how. In other words, why do you want to lose weight? Why do you want to be debt-free? Why do you want to become more like Jesus? And I think as you start to think about those things, you'll start to understand that, well, it's because I want my life to change. And I want a better life for my kids. I want a better life for my grandkids as well. You know, through the years, I've known quite a few guys now that were overweight and they, they wanted to lose weight. And they had tried every diet plan. They had tried all the exercise plans. They just couldn't lose weight. It's because they were trying to lose weight. And they were doing the hows of how to lose weight. But they needed a why. And you know what the why for these guys was? The birth of a daughter. Because many of them realized that at the current rate that I'm going, I'll be dead of a heart attack or I'll have diabetes and die and I'm not going to be able to walk her down the aisle one day. And now those guys had their why. They knew why they needed to lose weight. They knew why they needed to be healthy. And so now all of a sudden, eating right and exercising, it didn't seem like a chore anymore because they had the motivation for why to exercise and why to eat right. You know, when I, I think of this, I think of the Apostle Paul. Paul had such a, a passion and zeal for helping people come into a relationship with Jesus. And look at what he has to say in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. It says, I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. He says, man, I would endure anything as long as people get to know Jesus. If you've read the New Testament, if you know a little bit about Paul's story, you know that he suffered greatly for the gospel. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was arrested. He was tried. He was persecuted. He, he was mocked. He was snake I mean, shipwrecked. The whole nine yards as he was out spreading the gospel. But he knew his why. He knew why he was being beaten. He knew why he was going out on the high seas and, and risking being shipwrecked. So he says, man, I'll endure anything if I can lead people to Jesus. And let me be honest with you here this morning. Counting calories and exercising and saving money, especially when your friends are taking exotic trips and buying the latest iPhone, all those things, those aren't fun. It's not easy. But when you know your why, when you have the meaning of why I'm doing this, it makes all the pain and the suffering, all the counting of the calories and the, the exercise, the sweat equity that you're putting in, it makes it all worthwhile. So you got to make it measurable. You got to make it meaningful. Number three, I must make it maintainable. You know, it's okay to dream big dreams, but what you always have to remember is to get to a big dream, you've got to start small. 
you read through the Old Testament, you see this one period in, in history where the Israelites, God's people, the, the Jews, they were actually captured by the Babylonians. And the Babylonians came in and they destroyed Jerusalem, the capital city. They destroyed the temple. They took the Jews off into captivity. And it's 70 years that they're living there in captivity. And, and finally, when they're able to come back, the Jews have this dream. They're like, we would love to rebuild the temple. But they see the pile of rubble that had been left behind. Just seems so overwhelming, this big dream that they have. How in the world could we ever possibly do this? That's when Zechariah the prophet, he speaks up. Look at Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. Zechariah says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to do what? The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. He just wants to see you beginning the work, taking that next step. Again, if you'll do the small things like they're big things, God will do the big things. He'll make that dream happen for you like it's a small thing. But you got to take the step. If you think about it, every goal that's ever been accomplished in life, that's how it happened. Just somebody taking one next step after the other. And the next thing you know, the dream was accomplished. So you take the next step today. And the next day you wake up and you do what? Take the next step. And the next day you do what? Take the next step. You don't try to conquer it all in one shot. You don't try to leap there. You just say, God, today I'm going to win the day. I'm going to do what it is you've called me to do today. And if you'll keep taking those steps, God will help you to accomplish everything that's in your heart. So win the current day. Don't worry about the past when you didn't do it. Don't fret about the future. Stress out about, oh, will I be able to do this the rest of my life? Just win the day. All right, so that's about habits. Let me give you a couple techniques now to help you in your habit formation. So number one is this. I must replace bad habits with good ones. Now, I want you to notice I didn't say that you need to get rid of your bad habits. I said you need to do what? You need to replace your bad habits. You don't break a bad habit by simply not doing it anymore because of your own strength and your own willpower. You know, you're not the little engine that could, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. You may be able to think you can for a week or two weeks or maybe even a month. But just in your own strength and in your own power, eventually you'll fall back into that bad habit. From a theological standpoint, you don't stop sinning by just deciding I'm not going to sin anymore. You don't just say, well, okay, I'm just not sinning anymore. Well, guess what? You are. Temptation is still going to come your way. I mean, let's think about it this way. It's sort of like me saying to you right now, whatever you do, those of you live, those of you watching online, do not think about the big purple dinosaur Barney. Don't think about that big purple animal. Don't think of him. What are you thinking of? What briefly flashed through your mind? Barney, the big purple dinosaur. Psychologists actually call this a double bind. It's sort of like this. If I said to you right now, I want you to be spontaneous. 
Well, because the fact I just told you to be spontaneous, you're not gonna be spontaneous because you're thinking about being spontaneous and that's not being spontaneous. So you don't stop a bad habit. You don't get rid of a bad habit because, well, I'm just going to stop doing it. You don't stop sinning just because you simply decide, well, I'm just going to stop sinning. The way we change our habits, the way that we quit sin is with replacement of something better, something more spiritual. Look at Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 to 45. Jesus says this, when an evil spirit leaves a person, It travels through the desert looking for a place to rest. But when the demon doesn't find a place, it says, I will go back to the home I left. And when it gets there and finds the place empty, clean, and neat, it goes off and it finds seven other evil spirits, even worse than itself. They all come and make their home there, and the person ends up in worse shape than they were before. Now, there's more to it than what Jesus is speaking here than what I'm about to say with you. But the point is this. If you get rid of that demon, if you get rid of that evil spirit, if you get rid of that habit, if you get rid of that sin, if you've swept your body clean, so to speak, you've cleaned yourself up. Eventually, that old bad habit and that sin's going to come back, and you're going to be worse off than you were when you started. See, when it comes to habit, it's not about habit elimination. It's about habit switching, where you replace an old bad habit with a new one. When it comes to sin, it's not about just, I think I can, I think I can. Oh, Jesus, help me here. I mean, Jesus wants to help you, but he would rather help you in the sense of, instead of just not doing it, replace it with something better, something more spiritual. Let me give you an example. I think I've shared this with you before. I've actually helped a number of people through the years stop smoking with not telling them, don't smoke anymore. That's bad for you. That's not what we do. What we do is habit replacement. Because for cigarette smokers, and those of you that have been around cigarette smokers before, you know that habitually they can light up a cigarette and start smoking it without even thinking about it. It's just become second nature. You're standing there talking to them. They reach in their pocket. They reach in their purse. They pull out the cigarette. They light it up. They're still talking to you. They didn't even think about it. If you said to them, do you realize that you just started smoking a cigarette? Many times they go, "Mm, no. It's just, it's what I do. It's become a habit. And so we got to replace it with something different. So here's what I've told people to do. Get a little pocket New New Testament, pocket-sized New Testament, and keep that wherever you normally would keep your cigarettes, whether it's, you know, the pocket or your purse or whatever. And so now when you go through that normal time, because many times when they try to stop smoking before and it's just, I think I can, I think I can, I'm just going to quit and they just like hid the cigarette somewhere, they would still reach in their pocket or purse. They, they had that nicotine craving and stuff. They would reach in the pocket or purse. They go to, and they come out with an empty hand, but then they're going, <gasps> I don't have it. I want it. And again, through sheer willpower for a day or a week, maybe they could do it, but eventually they give in to the craving. You got to replace it with something different. So by putting that pocket-sized New Testament in that pocket, in the purse, what they're doing is when they go through that habit of reaching in, they come out with something different. They come out with God's Word. And guess what? I have them underline in God's Word. All the verses that talk about temptation. And so now they've replaced their cigarette smoking with a new habit of Bible reading and memorization of Scripture. 
We've replaced it. And now they're able to start praying and saying, God, okay, it's not about me. Just, I think I can, I think I can. It's about your spirit giving me the power over temptation here. You promise that you'll provide a way out. And so again, a number of people have done that. It's just simple habit replacement. So what is it for you? What's your bad habit that you have? Again, you don't have to shout it out. If you want to, we could pray for you, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but what, what's the bad habit that you would like to stop? And be thinking about it and praying about it. What could I do to replace it with something better, something more spiritual? Maybe for you it's this. You, you find yourself, I complain all the time. You know you're a complainer. It's just constant complain, 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 complain. Well, instead of just telling yourself, I'm going to stop complaining in 2022. Again, maybe for a week you do good, but eventually you'll fall back into that old habit and it's going to be worse off, as Jesus said, than it was before. So what could you replace it with? Well, here's, here's an idea. Replace it with a gratitude journal. Say, you know what? I'm going to have a new habit every single day. At the end of the day, I'm going to take my journal and I'm going to write out 10 things where I'm grateful that God has done something in my life today or in the lives of those around me. And so what that does is now all of a sudden your radar is on, the spirit in you all of a sudden is all day long just looking for, what am I going to write in my journal tonight? I got to find 10 things that, to be grateful for here. And, and, you know, what I'd encourage you to do is don't repeat things. You know, don't every day say, well, I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for my spouse. No, come up with different things every single day. And what that's doing is it's forcing you to look around and see all the good that's in the world. What you've done is habit replacement because you're retraining your mind. You're retraining your spirit to see the good. Now, does that mean you'll never, ever complain again? No, but you'll notice that it does greatly get reduced. So again, you got to replace bad habits with good ones. The second technique is this. To be successful, I must learn how to habit stack. Now, I, I did a whole message on this one in the, in the series last year, Uphill Habits. So if you're interested in, in this one, you can get more. But let me just remind you what habit stacking is all about. Right now in your life, you already have those things that you do habitually. Every single day, you take a shower, you brush your teeth, you get a cup of coffee, you walk your dog. You know, what are those things that are in your life that you do every single day without fail? They come easy, they come naturally. Once you identify what those things are, what you do then is you just stack another new habit that you find more difficult to do on top of the existing habit, which you find easy to do. Now, let me give you an example of this. I shared this story uh, with you last year when I did the Uphill Habits series. And I want to give you an update. So in addition to being in God's Word myself in preparation for sermons and classes and conferences and various things that I do, Gilbert needs to be in God's Word for Gilbert, for my own personal relationship with Jesus. It's not enough for me just to be in the Word to give. I need to be in to have my own life changed, my own heart changed, my own spirit changed. But what I shared with you last year in the series was, I sometimes struggle with that. And it feels a little bit hypocritical at times because I tell you guys, be in the Word every single day, right, for yourself. 
And even though I'm in the Word every single day, it wasn't always for me, it was for you. And so I would go through seasons of life where, you know, maybe 20 days out of a month, you know, I'd be in for myself, but then there'd be 10 days I'd be like, ah, I'm going to be in later, you know, studying for a sermon or whatever. So it's not a big deal. What is a big deal? And I felt bad about it. And so I was like, last year as I was putting the series together, I was like, I'm going to habit stack. There's some things I already have in my life that I could make it easier for me to get in the word for Gilbert. And so if you remember, I shared with you one of the bad habits I had gotten into was I, I laid my phone on the nightstand on a charger right next to the bed. And so the bad habit that I had was every morning when I wake up, and I still have this habit, first thing I do in the morning is I wake up and I reach over, I grab the phone, I power it on. And in the past, it was always to look at, you know, Facebook, text, emails, did I miss any calls, you know, those types of things. So that was a bad habit, that that's how you start your morning. But I was like, since I already have that habit, I'm going to stack my own personal time with Jesus on top of it. So I shared with you the new habit that I had started, and that was every night before I go to bed, I open up the section of scripture that I'm going to read for me personally the next morning. It's already there on my phone. So now when I just habitually, without even thinking about it, because I'm still groggy from sleep, I reach over, I grab the phone, I power it up. What's the first thing I see? Scripture the scripture for me. And I'm able to then read it and, and have my time of prayer with Jesus and, and work on my relationship with him. Now, I'm not saying this to brag, okay, because I just shared with you I messed up a lot. But I want to show you that this actually does work. So this past Wednesday when we came in and we loaded all the stuff in for today, all the graphics and various things, I actually took a screenshot that morning of my uh, phone in the Uversion app. So they're going to put it up on the screen here for you. You see up there in the very top, at the uh, top there, it shows my streak. 384 days in a row now that I haven't missed. Today's Sunday, so I'm, what, at 388 now today, right? So this works. And again, I'm not sharing that to, to brag. I'm sharing that with you to say, this works. You can do it, and you can do it every single day. Every single day. Now, this whole thing of habit stacking isn't something that's new. This principle is actually as old as, well, at least the nation of Israel, because God himself had, had told the Jews that every single day, you need to pray and you need to speak the Shema. And that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 6. Here's what they're to repeat every day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Now, the question is, how do you keep the commands on your hearts? How do you make it a daily practice? Well, God answers that, and part of the answer is habit stacking. Look at verses 7 to 9. He says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road. When you're doing what? When you're, when you're doing what? When you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. So God actually gives a couple techniques here. One is repetition. Just keep repeating it over and over and over again. He gives a, another technique here. He says that you got to make it visual. And we talked about that last year in the Uphill Habit series, that make the new habit something that's very visual, something that you can see so that prompts you to start the habit. 
But then he actually talks about habit stacking here. Do it when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. See, what you need to understand about your life, remember Duke University said that a lot of your life, almost half of your life is just habitual. Guess when most of your habits take place? When you first get up and when you go to bed. I mean, let's face it, all of us, we have a routine in the morning. We do the same things in the same order every single day. Same thing when you go to bed. You have your getting ready to go to bed routine that you do. And so all I'm saying to you today is with this habit stacking is just stack something new into those existing routines. Just put one more step in the process. And all of a sudden now another new habit is started. Again, I took that bad habit. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but that bad habit of every morning reaching for my phone. And I was like, okay, I already do that. So now let's actually make it something good by having God's word right there that I can read first thing in the morning. So again, the question is, what new habit do you have that you want to get started? Can you fit into your existing routine? I'll wrap up with this. Remember at the beginning, I was talking to you about an anime, right? And toppling over the dominoes. I talked to you about the power of toppling over dominoes, how it can get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so what's the domino you need to topple over today? What's the frog that you need to eat? Something that God has been calling you to do. You know you should do it. It's a dream that you have. It's been a goal for a while. It's a decision that you've had to make. But you haven't even toppled that first domino. Go ahead and do it. Because it's going to set off a chain of events. It's not only going to change your life. It's going to change the lives of those that are around you as well. So let's eat the frog. Let's go out. Let's win the day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time to gather together to worship you and to once again look at your word. And, and we thank you for the wisdom of men like Mark Batterson and, and just how he encourages us in our faith and in very practical ways. So, Lord, I know this, this whole thing of habits doesn't seem very spiritual, but yet it is, as we talked about back in week one of the, the series, as we talked about in the Uphill Habits series. You, yourself, you made it your habit to withdraw to lonely places to pray. You made it your habit to, to worship with others. And we, we see men and women throughout Scripture that they had daily habits they were winning the day, and so help us to do the exact same thing. So, Lord, whatever it is right now that we've been holding off on, I pray that your spirit has been convicting those that are here and those that are watching online, that people are like, all right, enough talk, enough just hoping that my life is going to change. Today is the day that it changes. I'm just going to do it today. I'm going to read my Bible today. I'm going to eat right today. I'm going to save money today. I'm going to tell my spouse I love them today. I'm going to do whatever it is today that you're calling me to do. And then tomorrow I'm going to do it again. And the next day I'll do it again and again and again. God, I'm going to continue to do the small things like they're big things. And I'm going to trust in faith that then you'll do a miracle in my life and that you'll do the big things like they're small things. Jesus, I know I've seen that in my life. I've seen it in the lives of so many others. Help us not to grow weary in doing well. 
doing well for ourselves and doing well to others. Help us to continue on, to persevere. As Paul said that, man, I'll endure. I'll endure. Because he knew his why. So Lord, help us to know our why. And part of that why is because we want to honor you. We want to glorify your name. And so Lord, help everything that we say and do bring you glory and honor. Change us and change us right now. Help us to topple that first domino today, to eat the frog today. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.